0: Hi folks, this is Ron Longwell, and I'm glad you're here today for another episode of the Jesus Society podcast, a conversation exploring relationship, renewal, and purpose in the kingdom of God. Um, This is, it has been a while, hasn't it? It has been a while since we've been together. So, um, life has been really busy for me, um, if you care. Um, been a lot of stuff going on, a lot of, uh, um, just a lot of, a lot of stuff, lot, a lot of life. Um, some personal stuff, some of which I, I talked to you a little bit about, um, a while back, but, um, it's just left me drained and, um and i just i just couldn't manage the brain space to uh, to do any podcast episodes to prep them and and i didn't want to just do them and and i've said this before i didn't want to just do them just to get something out that just didn't seem like um something that would be fair um to all of you just to make you listen to ramblings some of you would say i'm you're just listening to ramblings anyway um but <laughs> Anyway, um, but I, uh, I I tentatively want to say I'm back. Uh, I've got a uh, I've been doing a lot of reading and a lot of thinking, a lot of praying, and I have got a bunch of stuff um, that I want to talk to you about over the next um, next couple of months, um, particularly as we move um, toward Easter. Um, so uh, there's there's just a lot I've been thinking about and reading about and. Um, putting some things together, and I uh, there, anyway. I, that's a little bit, bit of a teaser. I don't want to. I don't want to do a teaser per se, but um, uh, there's there's some stuff coming up that I'm pretty excited about, and I hope uh, you will be um, benefited uh, by as well. So today, this is uh, episode 79 of the Jesus Society podcast, and today's episode is one that my son asked me to do. Um, and he asked me about this a while ago. And what he wanted, he said, he asked me to talk about how to find answers to questions you have in the Bible, okay? And when he first asked me to, to do this, I thought, well, okay, that'll, that'll be simple. That'll be a good, useful thing. It, it'll be pretty simple. Um, but the more I've kind of ruminated on all that, the, the less simple it has become. The fact is that there is a, there is a dizzying array of misinformation about the Bible out there. Um, uh, one of the things I think about when I, when I think about this is a, a man that I um, that I knew years ago, um, I studied the Bible with him, he was on a journey, he, he had lived kind of a, a rough life and was kind of searching for Jesus. And I studied with him for a while and and tried to just kind of come alongside him in that journey and help him. And he eventually gave his life to Christ and I baptized him. And um, he was excited and he was full of life and his life seemed to to be changing. And it was just, he was a delight to have around. Um, But in his hunger for more knowledge, he started just reading everything he could get his hands on and he was scouring the internet. This was in the early days of the internet, but he had the internet and um and he was just finding all kinds of stuff and just reading everything he, he had and he didn't really have a good you know, like a lot of us when we when we first become Christians, we don't we don't have good filters yet for what's what's credible and and truthful and what's kinda you know, maybe not so much. And he was just taking everything in and and just believing everything he read. You know, if it mentioned the word God, well, it must be true. And he ended up way off in the ditch on some stuff to the point that he he got so so muddled and so confused and so uh, you know he he started getting judgmental on everybody else that he didn't seem to think was his. Um, as uh, full of vitality as he was. And he eventually walked away from the church, walked away, as far as I knew, walked away from the Lord. And I tried my best to talk to him about some of this stuff and and bring him back to center. And it, I, I just wasn't able to do it. Um, so the, the, the point, obviously, is that there's, a, there's an awful lot of bad information out there Um, and so one of the, one of the challenges in, in trying to navigate this is how do you find good answers, right? Um, because, and and I'm going to get into this, I'm going to get into this. Uh, A lot of things you just don't look up in the Bible. There's no, it's not Google, right? I mean, you don't just type in any question you want and it'll pop you up with an answer. Oh, you need to go to Isaiah 53 for this but it doesn't work that way right and if you find something on the internet that claims to work that way it, it, it be, be careful it probably doesn't So anyway there are loads and loads of Christians who end up terribly confused about the Bible about what the bible does and doesn't say. so how do we sort through all that how do we get to the truth? Um, that's the question. so I'm going to jump in today to where angels fear to tread. <laughs> And, and have a go at trying to sort some of that out and, and hopefully, hopefully give you some helpful things that will, that will lead you where you want to go. And before we jump right on in that, uh, buckle in and, and hold on, because <laughs> this is going to be good. It's going to be fun anyway. But I have to have a sip of coffee before I continue. because it is early, early in the morning, and I have not had enough coffee yet. Okay, so as we jump into this, we, we've got to talk a little bit first about the challenge of reading our Bibles. Um, and there are three specific challenges that I, that I think we have to address. Um, first, we're, we're often mistaken about what kind of book the Bible is. Okay, and there are there are at least three kind of false ideas about what the Bible is um, that I want to talk about. Some people see it as an encyclopedia. You know, it's it's kind of a religious reference book. You put it on your shelf, and and when you need to when you need to look like the physician's desk, desk reference for for doctors, right? Uh, it's there. And when you get a, a troublesome um, ache or pain, you know you you pop that open and figure out well what's the what's the answer here. Some people see the Bible that way. We keep it on our shelves when we when we've got something that's confusing or we think we need an answer for it. We pop it out and then try to find a try to find the answer we think we need and then put it back up the shelf and move on. Some people see the Bible as a dictionary, um, a place to go to look up the meaning of religious words. Um, this is. This is usually people who, who you know, there's some Christians who just think word studies are the, the end all be all, you know? Like, what did that word mean? And if I can find that, man, that's the key to unlocking everything. Words just don't work that way, right? I mean, look up look pick up an English dictionary and look up a word, and you'll have twenty different meanings, right? For a for an English a normal English word. Well, Bible words are that way too. There's a lot of nuance in the way we use language. So it's it's not just a dictionary, right? And I'm going to talk more about some of that uh, as we get into this. Um, some see the Bible kind of like a user manual, you know, like um, like you, you, um, you get a microwave and here's your here's your user manual it tells you how to what all the buttons do and and how to, you know, whatever you do, don't put tin foil in the microwave, you know, it tells you things like that, the warnings. About how to how to thing in a troubleshooting guide, you know, if it's doing this, it could be this, this, this. Here's how you diagnose, um, the, you know, how you test these things and figure out what the real problem is. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of old, so I still remember when we used to buy be able to buy car repair manuals, yeah, and you'd buy one for the specific car that you had, and if you if you had a problem, you could just turn the appropriate page in the repair manual and did tell you what the possible causes of your problem were and, and how to test and fix each one. Some people think the Bible's that way. Uh, it's a place uh, to go to find a, a quick fix to life's problems. Well, the Bible is not really any of those things. Um, oh, we can acquire knowledge here and there, um, and, and we can learn the meaning of certain words there, and the Bible can, in fact, help us learn to live life better. But it doesn't do any of those things quite the way we think that it does. Okay, The Bible is a book of theology, um, often in, in narrative form or story form. And that story that it's telling, and it's telling one story all the way from Genesis to Revelation, um, and, and a lot of us don't know that. A lot of us think there was a story in the Old Testament and that didn't work out so well, so God scrapped that and started something new. Nope, he's telling the same story all the way through. And that story is a story of God and his rescuing, saving, healing work in the good world that he created. And a great many of our answer problems are solved, or at least circumvented, by just simply knowing the larger story that the Bible's telling. And here's a, here's a spoiler. The story the Bible's telling is not about how to go to heaven when you die, all right? Or how to be a better person. Okay, second challenge in reading the Bible, after I get another sip of coffee, is understanding that, um, second challenge in reading the Bible is understanding that it was written for us but it was not written to us, okay? That's, a, that's an important distinction. Um, I knew a man one time who liked to say that Christianity was easy. You just read the Bible and do what it says. And, and from that statement, based on what we just talked about, um, what can you deduce about what kind of book that man thought the Bible was? You know, if, if you think... If you think that the thing is just just read the Bible and do what it says, it's easy. What's your view of the Bible with, that, with a statement like that? For him, it was a policies and procedures manual. That's another misconception of what we think the Bible is, right? Um, along those lines, it's been popular, at least in my religious tradition, but I don't think it's just mine, um, to, to insist that you don't interpret the Bible, you just read it. But here's the problem with that. Um, and some of you may have some of you may have heard or even believed the idea that um, we we just read the Bible and we all come to the same conclusions if we're fair-minded. Um, but how has that worked out? <laughs> I mean, look around, <laughs> right? Um, so here's the problem. The Bible tells a story, and that story is set in the world of the ancient Near East of roughly two to 4,000 years ago. That's a long time ago, right? That is a long darn time ago. It was written to people who did not live in 21st century, century America, who didn't understand uh, all the things that we think we understand about modern science and, and psychology and, and all sorts of stuff, um, that doesn't mean they were stupid. They were not stupid. I think sometimes they were smarter than we are but but they were people that don't speak American English. They had totally different customs and they had very different ideas about how the world worked. okay? The Bible was written to them and and the Lord in in giving the Bible to those people did not seem to think that it was important to straighten out all their misconceptions about some of the things that we think we found clarity on today, all right? He, did, he spoke to them in their language, in their, you know, with the customs they had. He met them where they are, which is what we try to do, right? We meet people where they are. God originated that idea. So here we are, at least 2,000 years removed from all that, and we're trying to understand this book that we've been given that has been passed down and preserved for all that time. Now, here's where I'm in a little bit of a danger in making some people mad with what I'm about to say, because most of us very much just like the idea that we can just open our Bible and read what it says, and we'll just understand what God wants us to understand. And we don't really need to work any harder at it than that. We like that idea. Um, in fact, I have a friend who, who just in the last few weeks was having a conversation with a a couple of people and he was talking about some of this stuff. And one of them said, it got kind of, kind of a little bit angry. And he said, we shouldn't have to study first century Judaism in order to understand our Bibles. Well, I'm sorry to tell you this folks, but we, we kind of do. Um, you, you just simply can't read anything. That was written 2,000 years ago, and have have a, 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 a this is, boy. This is where you're going to get mad, and and have really much hope of of understanding it without doing at least some work to understand the world those people lived in and the way they thought about their world, right? And let me give you an example of that. If you doubt that, let me just let me try to let me try to sell this to you, so you so you understand this. And I think this will make it clear and it'll bring it a lot closer to home. Over the years, I have done a a great deal of premarital counseling for couples that were getting ready to get married. And one of the things that we always spend a good bit of time on is discussing family of origin issues, okay? You know what I mean by that? Um, The family you grew up in um, determines to a great deal Um, kind of how you come into marriage and what your expectations are and the way you think this is going to work. Um, If you're married, you know already that if you want to understand your spouse, part of that understanding comes from understanding the family that they grew up in. Because the way we grow up, the kind of families we grow up in, um, the, the the way we relate to one another, all those things form our expectations about what marriages and families are like. And if you're married, you know this. You know that your spouse came from a different kind of family than, your, than you did. And he or she has some different ideas about things based on that. And you have had to learn that if you've been married for a while. Okay. The way we communicate or often don't communicate, um, the roles uh, that, that, that mom plays, the, roles, the role that dad plays, um, all of that is shaped by how we grow up. Uh, and you will bring all of those unexpressed, sometimes not, not even understood expectations, some might say baggage, uh, to your marriage. And it will probably be a lot different than the baggage your husband or your wife brings to the marriage. And you're just going to have to learn to see the world through their eyes a bit. And they're going to have to see the world, learn to see the world through your eyes a bit. And if you're married, you know this because you've, you've done this. Like every married couple wrestles with this sort of stuff and you've got conflict because you, you're just coming from very different places. So if that's true in, in a marriage relationship made up of two people who speak the same language, who, can, who grew up in the same country, sometimes in the same part of the country, how much more true is that when we're talking about people who lived 2,000, 4,000 years ago, who, who lived in a whole other part of the world, who spoke a totally different language, had totally different customs? If we're gonna understand this book, we gotta, we gotta learn to see the world through their eyes a bit. Okay, um, We're gonna have to do some historical work if we're gonna understand the Bible the way it was meant to be understood. It is. It is a timeless book for sure, but that doesn't mean we can just ignore its historical and cultural settings. Uh, the Bible is filled with with temples and and priests and rituals and practices, um, and kings. All of which provide the the setting and the backdrop for the story that God is telling us. And if we and if we miss some of those details, if we don't understand for instance, how temples functioned in the ancient world, um, we're not fully hearing the story that God is trying to tell us. We're, what we're hearing instead is a story of our own making. And it is easy to get confused when that happens. Okay, So we need some humility. We need to come to, the, to Scripture with some humility and some um, willingness to, to put a little bit of effort into understanding some things that are a little bit foreign to us. Okay, And then thirdly, uh, we need to be self-aware enough to understand the baggage that we bring to bear on our reading of Scripture. Let me give you just one example of that. Um, For those of us here in, in North America, particularly in the United States, hang on, more coffee. When we hear the word slavery, in 21st century America, immediately all kinds of things come to mind, right? And we have been conditioned to kind of understand that word through the lens of our own experience with slavery in early America the, and, the, and the brutal and horrible way slavery was practiced in this country. right? Well, then we read the Bible. And we see slavery in the Bible. And we tend to just understand the Bible's version of slavery. Well, that, that's what it was. It was the same as ours, right? Um, we, we just can't help but view it through that lens because that's the slavery we think we understand. Well, the, the truth is slavery is never a good thing, ever. And it always objectifies, objectifies people and views them as, as property, um, to one degree or another, um, rather than as people made in the image of God. That's true. That's, that's always true. All slavery is that way. And please don't hear me saying anything different. But slavery in the Roman Empire was very, very different from the kind of slavery practiced in the United States. It was, it was not based on race or ethnicity or skin color. Um, not all slaves in the, in the first century were impoverished. Um, some of them owned property and even had a, a degree of, of wealth and social standing. Um, it was not based on, on profession or, or, um, uh, or, or social standing, obviously. Um, there were doctors and lawyers in the first century Roman world who were slaves. Um, if you were walking down the street Anywhere in the Roman Empire, you would not be able to look around and tell who was and who wasn't a slave by the way they dressed, by the way they looked, by their skin color. Like, you just, you wouldn't know, necessarily. And slavery was not at all a permanent condition. Uh, many times, you could purchase your own freedom. You could, you could save up some money and then buy your own freedom. Uh, and often, slaves were set free. In fact, at one point in the Roman Empire, the practice of setting slaves free to, um, became so common that the emperor outlawed the practice because he was afraid that Rome was going to be in danger of losing its labor force. But it, but but there was a period where everybody was just setting their slaves free. Okay. Um, one one scholar who has written some things about this, um, and I think this is. You know, all all comparisons and, and illustrations are imperfect, but this is this is kind of helpful, I think. He compares um, first century Roman slavery more to what we understand military service to be um, than to 18th century slavery in America, okay? Um, you know, in the military, and, and some of you, I've got, had, got some friends who've been in the military, and they'd they'd say this, and if you've been in the military, you know this is true. You've... You've got some level of freedom, right? But you're not exactly free, right? You, you can't just do anything you want anytime you want. Um, and you might be a private who is on the low end of the totem pole and your, your job is to clean out latrines. You might be a fighter pilot or you might be a five-star general with a tremendous amount of influence and responsibility. And yet you don't have freedom I think it's raining. If you hear if you hear a noise, it's uh, it's raining or it's windy. We're supposed to have we're supposed to have some weather today uh, here in southern Middle Tennessee. Well, the, the, again, I'm not saying that slavery was wonderful um, in the first century Roman world, but to read, for example, the book of Philemon in the New Testament with an 18th and 19th century American slavery. American view of slavery in mind, is really going to lead you astray. It's really going to um, cause you to kind of miss out on the point of the story. The fact is, this is where I'm getting at, we have been shaped and conditioned to read Scripture through a certain lens. Um, And along those lines, I'd, I'd argue strongly that to a large degree, the way we understand the New Testament and the, the Apostle Paul, in particular, is through the lens of the 16th, 16th century Protestant Reformation. What we understand the gospel to be comes really out of the 16th, much more out of the 16th century than out of the first. And, and we've got some work to do in that regard. We've been inordinately um, influenced by the Protestant Reformation. And not all that's bad, but not all of it's wonderful either. Uh, and most of us are, are completely blind to that. Um, it's given us some huge blind spots. Uh, well, enough about that. Uh, let me say this. The gospel that we think we believe in, it's not that it's wrong necessarily, but it is truncated, diminished, abbreviated. And so we tend to go through our lives thinking that there's only one way to read the Bible, and it happens to be the way that we were taught to read it. All of those things are problems. Now, what's the antidote to all this? Well, we need to have enough self-awareness to realize our biases and our preconceptions, and we need to have the humility when we come to Scripture to admit that maybe we haven't got everything figured out completely. And to be willing to learn and change our perspective, um, Paul says in Romans uh, 12 that um, transformation comes from the renewing of our mind. You you can't renew your mind without changing your opinion on some things, right? So we have to be we have to be willing to to, to be stretched a bit and not just camp out on the on the conclusions that we've always believed and think this is true and always will be. And um, we need to be open, okay? And if we don't come to scripture that way, we can end up kind of theologically inbred. And our relationship with the Bible can become somewhat toxic and we can end up hurting others. and And a lot of us are familiar with some churches that we would say, yep, that's them. Okay, so we don't, want to, we don't want to end up there. We don't want to be those kind of people. So with, with that kind of background, I know we're 26 minutes into this already. Um, with that background, um, let me try to give you some suggestions for finding answers to uh, your questions in the Bible. Um. first I need more coffee that wasn't really first but it's you know it's first okay first of all make sure you're asking the right questions okay and what I mean by that is make sure you're asking questions the Bible actually has answers to um, the Bible was not written to answer every question that we might have particularly In 21st century America, we've got a lot of um, strange proclivities and interests today that the Bible just doesn't, it doesn't have anything to say about that. It doesn't, you know, it it doesn't care about some of that. It it was not written to answer every question we might have. Um, For instance... The Bible is just not in spite of what you may have read or been taught the Bible is just not going to tell you when the world was created. Okay? It's just not. That is a very 20th century question. Um, it was it was actually a question before that, but but 2500 years ago no one was asking that question. No one cared about when and how do we date this on a calendar? no one cared about that kind of stuff right and the bible is just not it's not going to give you an answer to that okay you've got to make sure that you're asking questions that fit within the story the bible is actually telling the bible is telling the story again of a loving creator god becoming king on earth as in heaven redeeming people and healing the world through those redeemed people Okay, and there are lots of very, very important things that fit within that story, but we also have lots of 21st century questions that don't have answers, or at least don't have direct answers in the Bible. It's kind of like, um, kind of like trying to, you know, you're going to read the Harry Potter books and uh, try to expect in there to find answers to the problem of third world debt. Okay, not going to, not going to tell you anything about that. Okay. Secondly, when you, when you read and study the Bible, to make sure you're understanding what you're reading, you need to, you need to learn, a, learn to use a few good tools, okay? You do not have to go out and get a, get a theological degree like I have, um, and you do not learn to, need to learn to read Greek and Hebrew like I have had to learn to do. Um, you don't have to do that. There are some tools that will help you in, in really significant ways. Um, and I'm going to list a few of those, and I will have links to all of these in the show notes. Okay. Um, first, get yourself a good study Bible, a, a paper study Bible. Okay. Um, I, I know we live in the 21st century, and I know everybody likes to um, just listen to everything, um, but but get you a get you a book. All right, get you a Bible, get you a paper Bible, and get you a good study Bible. Okay, um, and I'll I'll recommend a few um, that I really really like. Um, th- there are some study Bibles that I I would not I would not give you a nickel for. Okay, but there's a couple good ones that I that I recommend and I like. Um, I very much like the um, the cultural background study Bible. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it in several different translations. Okay, you can get it. I think in, in uh, NIV. I think you can get it in New King James. I think you can get it in. Um, uh, I know you can get it in New Revised Standard Version. Um, that's the one I have. Um, I very much like that. That that the study notes in there were written by some real. Intelligent um, uh, scholars who understand the ancient world, okay? They're going to tell you, you know. And and remember, they're human too. So not everything they said. Don't take it. Everything they say is absolute gospel because none of us are infallible. Not even Bible scholars. Not even podcasters. How about that? So the cultural background study Bible and the NIV study Bible. It's pretty decent. Not everything in there is absolute truth, but but those are pretty pretty good. those will help. You will learn a lot. Um, particularly um, read the introductions to each book, okay uh, each book of the Bible um, that, they, that they will have in there. That'll kind of help you get your bearings as to where this is where this is going. okay? Um, you'll learn a lot and um, and those, those will help. Secondly, get you a couple different translations okay um when you're reading a passage and you're not sure what it you're not sure you're understanding it pull out a different translation and read that passage in another another translation you'll find nuance there you know words have nuances there's no it's it's no more true in greek and hebrew as it is in english there's not always just one right word, way to translate a word okay um the way to translate a word is determined more by context than anything else so there's a translators work very hard and they're very good um i have a great deal of respect for the people that translate scripture um but they have to make some judgment calls and those are very those are always done very thoughtfully and carefully um but read a couple of different translations and you'll get some sense of nuance um as to how some of this stuff goes um If you're asking for specific recommendations on translations, um, I'd say get a new Revised Standard Version. Get an NIV because that's popular and it's what everybody uses. Right? I mean, not everybody, but it's a it's a very popular translation. Um, So a lot of stuff that you read is going to have quotes from the NIV. Um, Get one. You know, the the NIV is not perfect, but it's a but it's a good decent translation. It does some things. That are useful. Don't make that your only translation. I like the NRSV as well. Um, so get the NRSV, get the get the NIV, and then I would say get either um, an English Standard Version uh, or a Christian Standard Bible. So get the, get those three: get NRSV, NIV, and then either the the ESV or the CSB as kind of standard translations, and just keep those on hand. Um, and then the other one that I, the other translation that I would highly, highly recommend that I have come to like very much, um, it's, it's, ne- it's not a real, real popular one, and it's never gonna be, um, but it's very, very helpful. It's called, um, it's called The Bible for Everyone, and the Old Testament part of that was translated by John Goldengay, um, who is a, a well-known and well-respected Old Testament scholar. The New Testament um, portion was translated by N. T. Wright, who you may know that I have a great deal of respect for. Um, it is, it's, a, it's an honest translation. It's a careful translation. Um, it's designed, um, it's put together to, to, to try to um, try to capture some of the some of the nuance of the Greek and the Hebrew um, in the way it flows and, and the way that it would have impacted the original readers. Uh, that sometimes we, we, you know, we lose, right? Uh, anyway, it's very, very good. Um, I, I, I like mine a lot, and I would recommend that as a, as another one. It'll, it'll sound a little different than what you're used to, and that's not a bad thing. Okay. Thirdly, get an, get an exhaustive concordance, and that word exhaustive is important. Um, you can look on Amazon and you can find exhaustive concordances. Get one that matches your your favorite Bible translation. So if you mostly read out of the NIV, get an NIV exhaustive concordance. Here's what a concordance will do for you. When you're looking up, um, when you're reading a, a a verse in the New Testament and you're looking up the word love, for instance, um, and you, you get curious, I wonder where else in the New Testament or maybe where else in... Um, let's say you're reading the, the Gospel of John and you come across John 3:16, "God so loved the world." And you're curious, how does how does that word how is that word love used elsewhere in John's Gospel? Well, how are you going to find all the other places? You could just read it and make a note, or you could get a concordance and look up um, every other place the word love or loved or loving or loves, right? Uh, the cognates of those of those words. Everywhere else it's found in, in, um, in the Gospel of John. And then you can look at all those passages and you can find out, okay, here's a kind of a sense you can get from context, a sense of what that word means. Love is not the, the best example, but say you run across the word in one of your translations, um, the word sacrifice, or the word, um, I don't know, propitiation, that's an old word. Um, atoning sacrifice. And you're trying to figure out, what does this mean exactly? You can pull out a concordance. You can find that elsewhere. Now, um, let me give you kind of a a word of caution on on that. A a lot of people, you can find, like every online Bible has its own sort of built-in concordance, and it's really simple and easy to use. Um, You can just type in, like a Google search, love you know, or sacrifice or temple or or whatever. And you will find um, it'll just give you a list of every other place that word's used. Here's the here's the slight problem with that. What it's giving you is the English word for that. And what you'll find is you if you start digging is sometimes there are different Greek or Hebrew words that are translated by the same English word. And you might want to know Okay, the word used here is agape. I want to find every other place agape is used. A good concordance will, will help you kind of suss that out a little bit and find out where the other occurrences of that particular Greek word is used. And you don't have to, you don't have to speak Greek or write read Greek or anything to, to use a good concordance, but that, those those can help. okay? All right, enough about that. Fourthly, get a good Bible dictionary. And I've got a link to a very good one in the show notes. Um, That will help you in understanding, doing a deep dive in in some words that you'll find in the Bible that you're like, I mean, this is a big word. Paul's using this word a lot. I don't really know, I need to understand what this word means. And you can do it, you can look it up in the Bible dictionary and it'll have a little article about that word. Um, I've got a good one volume Bible dictionary uh, in the show notes. that's, that, that will stand you in good stead in that regard. Um, there are others. There are multi-volume ones. I have a, I have a, a, a set. Um, this is getting off in the weeds. There's a, there's a set that IVP put out. Um, I have the Dictionary of uh, Jesus and the Gospels, the Dictionary of Paul and his letters. That, those two cover most of the New Testaments, and they're they're deeper. Um, I like them a lot. But if you want just a good, simple, a good, simple one-volume one, look at the one I put in the show notes. And um, that'll help you understand some concepts and some ideas um, in the context of the, of the Old and New Testament worlds. That'll help. Um, and then, one more. Um, a lot of people talk about commentaries. Um, commentaries are good um, you will find most commentaries, if you're not a Bible scholar, commentaries are mostly written for preachers and Bible scholars. And for for the normal Christian, they can be, there are some exceptions to this, but they can be kind of a tough slog to read. I am going to give you a recommendation for a fantastic, fan-flippin-tastic commentary series on every book in the Old Testament, every book in the New Testament that is written for common, ordinary Christians, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I do not have every volume in in this. That's one of the things. In fact, if there's somebody is out there and would like to make a donation to the Jesus Society podcast and buy me these the the whole commentary set, I would be forever in your debt. I need I need a patron that will buy me books. That's what that's what I need and coffee. <laughs> books and coffee are the things that fuel my life. Um but I but there's a there's a very good very good um little and you can I'm I I have them listed in the show notes as the set. You know, you can buy all the Old Testament set in one set It's like 200 bucks. You can buy the New Testament set as a set and it's like 200 bucks. You can also buy them in individual books like um, you can buy the one for the gospel of john and or the or the book of galatians or the book of romans or the book of isaiah right and some of them will have will have two volumes for a particular like i think isaiah cuz isaiah is huge i think it'll have two two volumes to get through all of isaiah but they're really if you want to get a sense of what the what these books of the bible are actually saying in a big picture way like these are these are solid gold Okay, they are called um, the um, the Bible for everyone. It, it's it's kind of like that that um, the Bible that I mentioned a little bit. You know, there's the Old Testament for everyone. It's a series, and it's it's written by John Golden Gay, the same guy that translated the Old Testament part of the Bible for everyone. Uh, the New Testament is the the New Testament for everyone, and it's translated by N. T. Wright, the same guy that translated the 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 New Testament in the, that Bible. Okay. Um, so you can get Genesis for everyone or Romans for everyone. You can buy them one at a time, and they're really they're really kind of cheap, you know, ten or twelve bucks a pop. And they're good. They will they're not going to get get you off in the weeds. They'll 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 give you the the, the arc and the and the story and in a uh, for each book of the Bible in a very easy to understand, very easy to read um, uh, manner. Uh, you will like them very very much. I have I have a couple that I bought a while back just to just to try them out and they are fantastic okay okay let's move on from that when you're when you're reading your bible pay attention to context okay and and don't just treat biblical passages as proof text well this is my verse I'm going to use to prove this point okay okay Try to understand what a particular verse is trying to say in its context. Understand how it fits into the paragraph it's in, into its chapter, into the book. Okay, uh, that's particularly important when you get to Paul. Okay, and understanding some of these things is where this little commentary series will will help. That's that's about that's about the the, the gist of of what I have to say about this. I'm afraid my son's not gonna like this, um, I don't think. He's gonna say I've made it all way too complicated. Um, and if it came across that way, I apologize for that. But the Bible, again, is, not, is it's just not Google. You know, you just can't type in a question and get a two or three sentence answer. But like many things in life, some of the most important and beneficial things in life like this require a little bit of effort okay? And if you're gonna really, if you're gonna understand the Bible, and if you're a Christian, you need to understand the Bible. This is the greatest story ever told. It, the world has been changed and is still being changed by the story in the, of the Bible is telling. And we owe it to ourselves to make sure we understand that story, because you're part of it, okay? I can't say that enough. That said... As I wrap up, I want to say I want to say two really, really, really important things about all this, and these are maybe the most important things that I've said all during this whole podcast. First, in your quest to find answers, in your quest to understand the Bible, take your time and be patient. Um, not all answers in the kingdom of God come quickly, and I know. We live in the age of the internet, and we we want instant gratification for everything. And if it takes more than a few seconds, we groan. It's just oh, I don't want to have to. Work. You know, we're all overworked and overpressured, and everything takes more time than we want. And, and we and we don't want that when it comes to the Bible. But but, golly. Take your time. And be patient. Um. We want to look something up and get a quickie, short, simple answer, answer so we can move on, but, but not all answers to the things of God work that way. Some of the things that God wants you to know will come slowly as you grow. Some of the things that God wants you to see, you're not quite ready to hear until you grow a little bit. Um, I, I look back at my life and that is, that is so true. That is so true. And the questions I was answering, asking twenty years ago, are not at all the questions I'm asking today, right? Um, that's why we we just can't see the Bible as a reference book we keep on our shelves and go to when we need to look something up. The Bible was meant to be to be soaked in, or or rather, we were meant to be soaked in the Word, softened, marinated, um, flavored. <laughs> I like to cook, so there's my there's my cooking uh, words and a lot of times what you'll find as you as you grow closer to the lord and as you mature a lot of times you'll find that it's not as much about finding answers but in finding perspective okay illumination uh, reframing sometimes the, the answer we think we need is not the answer we think we need sometimes what we need is just to to have our perspective broadened a little bit. And then we find out that the, this question that I thought was so important really wasn't the important thing at all, okay? God is working in your life to change you and grow you and and make you more like Jesus, okay? And that is a the, 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 the way we try to make that happen is not the way God tries to make that happen, okay? Um, and as God grows us and transforms us our questions change the information we need changes and while we're at it we find sometimes that what we need more than information or answers is a sense of his presence and his love in fact if i had if i had time and I'm not going to get into this I had an experience with God the other day i have been i have been asking a question this is a good this is a good point I'm not going to get into all the details but I have been asking a question for God for years about my purpose and I had an experience of God with God the other day where he breathed something into my soul and it wasn't so much an answer to that but it was a it was a change in perspective to where I feel like I've I've got that settled now like it was a big deal it was a big deal there were there were lots of tears involved in like I was I was a pitiful mess the other day as we were as God and I were interacting over this. Anyway, big stuff. But what I needed was not quite so much just an answer to my question, but a sense of his presence and love. Okay? So so try and stay attuned to the work that God is doing in your heart and in your mind. Remember we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. And let let all of that come in God's time. Be a little bit patient. Second, and it goes right along with that, pray. Invite God into your questions because he is the ultimate answer to all of our questions and our very, very best partner in this journey. So do not try to do any of this without him. And with that, I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week. We will be back next week. Um, as always, we'd appreciate it if you tell others about the podcast. Um, if you enjoy the show, please um, subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and now on Amazon Music. Um, visit us on our Facebook page for the Jesus Society podcast. Check out our website. That is the one stop shop for all, all of everything we do. Um, and um, the link for that is in the show notes. It's www.thejesussociety.com. Um, You can also find episodes of the Jesus Society podcast on YouTube and Odyssey, although I'm not doing great about that. Um, If you search for the Jesus Society podcast on either place, you'll find us. If you'd like to support the show and our related ministry, um, check out, click on the support TJS link on um, the Jesus Society website and it'll tell you how you can do that. Um, Thanks for listening. I'm glad to be back with you. And remember, you are greatly Loved.